Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. I'm excited about the speed, the global impact I think we can have as a company and the fact that we're opening up new applications for our business. In 2023, everyone is looking for efficient and effective clean energy solutions, but historically, the energy industry has been slow to develop and advance new technologies. It is a little scary if you think about where we are as an industry, we're just way behind in having the type of economical, sustainable energy storage solutions so we can begin to rely less and less on, on fossil fuels. Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. Renewable energy has made strides in the last 20 years with developments in solar and wind power, but much of the field still struggles to move forward from traditional fossil fuels. Today's guest has broken new ground on a uniquely clean and extremely effective energy technology. Robert Picconi is co-founder and CEO of Energy Vault, developers of sustainable energy storage solutions. Prior to Energy Vault, Robert was founder and CEO of Pantheon Healthcare Group and also served as group executive at the Danaher Corporation. His earlier experience includes roles of increasing responsibility of Fortune 500 public companies, including the Diversified Energy Group at Amico, and British Petroleum, as well as executive leadership roles at Bell Labs Lucent Technology. Robert holds a BS, BBA from Notre Dame, and an MBA from Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management. Robert and I talked about his early career, the energy storage market, and Energy Vault's huge runway for growth. Let's enter the arena with Robert Picconi. I, uh, started in energy and a different obviously type of medium with uh, a traditional oil and gas player amico and then after the the merger with british petroleum which at the time was the largest industrial merger to date 70 billion that was back in 1998 so started there and really because i wanted to get as much experience globally as i could in my in my 20s and uh, the larger companies tended to allow you to do that and do that quickly so i had a great Great first start. And then as uh, this little thing called the internet started to develop in the late 90s, I was just fascinated by software and the transformations that it was creating, whether networking or in business models. And so I actually, uh, post the merger, BP and Amico, uh, about a year after I went back to graduate school at Northwestern and then went into Bell Labs and Lucent Technologies, what time was one of the largest network infrastructure players. And that really, that next seven years of my career, I did my first seven at BP and Amico, and then the next seven there 
It was just fascinating. I ran my first businesses there at Bell Labs and Lucent, all global businesses. So I, um, you know, engineering teams all over the world and uh, customers all over the world. And just fascinating the the rate of change even back then and and how networking and software was developing. And, and now what's today the delivery of data all over the world. Interestingly, I think electrons, it's going to follow a similar course and how we deliver them. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, later. Wow, yeah. Um, and then really um, met Bill Gross along the way, founder of Idealab, which is one of the longest running uh, incubators, technology incubators in the U.S., and collaborated with him for about eight years. He, he contacted me. I was contacted by a recruiter. He was looking for a CEO for a company called eSolar at the time. And I was just moving to Switzerland with my family, working in diagnostic imaging for Berkshire. Uh, so the timing didn't work out there, but we stayed in touch and and iterated on a lot of different ideas in renewables, culminating with 2017 when he contacted me about this idea he had about solving the energy storage problem in a little different way. And that the timing worked out for that. And I, Bill and I put our heads together with another co-founder, Andrea Pedretti, and that led to the creation of Energy Vault at the end of 2017. What is Energy Vault and what do you all do every day there? Well, Energy Vault is focused uh, broadly on the energy storage market. And we, as a mission, are focused on decarbonization of the planet. And for us, that means not only bringing innovation in, in energy storage to help renewables get deployed more efficiently, more rapidly. That means economics, so developing solutions that help solve an economic problem, which energy storage is very difficult to solve economically. But that also means doing it sustainably. So that's another core part of our mission is it's not just about innovation and speed to market and the lowest cost, but we have a responsibility to make sure that everything we're developing has a sustainable footprint to it, whether immediately or at some point in the future. We're focused on energy storage. We, I think uniquely as a company today, are solving problems in shorter duration needs, in longer duration needs, meaning six, eight to 12 hour storage durations, but also ultra long duration with the combination of technologies, for example, green hydrogen, and using that as a longer ultra long duration or multi-day storage duration median and using our software platform to essentially integrate and provide a solution for really any underlying uh, hardware technology. And that's where we're focused and just see uh, just tremendous opportunities here to support this growing market. There's a massive secular tailwind behind what you're doing. What within the market did you see lacking to jump in and start this? Interestingly, just going full circle back to where I started my career in a large oil and gas company, interestingly, back then, Tom, they used to say that there's no problem that $20 a barrel wouldn't solve. We know where that is today. But really, when Bill Gross contacted me about the first company was looking at eSolar, which was a company that was utilizing concentrated solar power essentially to, to create heat and steam and therefore electricity, it really opened my eyes a bit to looking at the problems that were going to need to be solved in ensuring we accelerate toward a more renewable power generation footprint. And as I got into the data, it became very clear that while renewables were on a good path to be much cheaper, and today are 50 to 75% cheaper wind and solar than, than even existing fossil fuel plants, the problem is to, to store those same electrons that are generated by renewables. It, it costs a factor of 10 to store them. So if you're really going to replace fossil fuel, it became clear to me how urgent it was going to be 
with looking at the data and what was happening with the more severe weather events. I have eight children and you think about the world and how it's going to progress. And I, th- I thought about that and the need to really help solve that problem. Energy storage became it became very clear to me how important that was going to be. And in 2017, Tom, you, you looked at the market back then. There was really nothing out there except lithium ion was you know, beginning to get deployed. People were talking about flow batteries and other things, but nothing was economical. Nothing was sustainable. And it is a little scary if you think about where we are as an industry. We're just way behind in having the type of economical, sustainable energy storage solutions so we can begin to rely less and less on, on fossil fuels. So that, to me, that was the time where I really got passion around that and solving this problem. And Bill's idea, and Andrea Pedretti is another co-founder of using gravity, doing something to initially get started with software integration of material science, civil structural engineering, so the integration of different technologies to create something that didn't exist to get to market quickly to solve this problem. And that was for me, and I, you know, I, I knew I was going to spend the rest of my career on sustainability in our planet. Energy Vault is participating along the the whole like energy storage product chain, right? Maybe you can talk about how you kind of participate along that chain and and how that kind of benefits the business as you evolve over the next few years. If you look at what we've announced the last year, which I think even surprised a lot of people about some of the capabilities that we're able to deploy. And as we thought about the company from the very beginning and the integration of different technologies, and in particular with our software that was autonomously orchestrating our gravity system, the more we spoke to customers to understand their needs, the more we learned that they have many different needs. <laughs> and if you're going to be a partner of a customer and you want to be someone that's going to help them as they're evolving and going through their own clean energy transition. So I, I really think about our company as an energy transition company, right? We're helping to accelerate, enable that. It became clear that not only was long duration going to play a role, albeit I'd, I'll say developing a little later than I think we would have thought two, three, four years ago, it was clear that the customers were going to have multiple needs, that they ideally would like to have a sort of single pane of glass to manage or a, a platform to manage. I think all of those needs, because it's complex, what our customers are going through, whether in particular the utility customers, but even industrial customers that are trying to have a greener footprint. And so as we did that, we thought about our software platform and we announced having some folks join the team that used to be a part of a company called Greensmith Energy that was one of the leading integrators back 2012 to 2017 before they were acquired by Vartzilla. And we did that to accelerate, given the feedback from customers, our ability to offer different capabilities to the same customers or to new customers so to open up new segments of the market like in short duration and to do that more quickly it was always in our vision so we accelerated that and that's what led to i'd say these announcements that we've made serving the shorter duration market which is hot which is primarily what's getting deployed right now long duration as well which is which will become more important and we're building a few gravity systems all over the world one in texas with an l and in outside shanghai with atlas renewable and then very interestingly ultra long duration are looking at integrating green hydrogen for needs for backup for example that utilities have in places like california where there's wildfires or earthquakes so i I think the, the ability for us to integrate capabilities together short long and ultra long duration really interesting and and unique in the market. 
How do you define short, long, and ultra long? Like, what are those time spans? We look at short as basically anything up to four hours. Typically, uh, most things we're seeing today are in that two to four hour range that's that's being deployed. Long duration for us gets anywhere above four and typically in this eight to up to 12 hour range that we'll need to cycle in a day. So you have to charge that system back up typically in a in a day. So anything in the, I guess, the six to 12 hour range, as you're starting to push that, we, we would consider a longer duration. And obviously when you get into multi-day storage, which, you know, there's not a lot of use cases out there today for this ultra long duration. However, there are some and we can serve that with green hydrogen. So that would, you're getting into the, what we announced, for example, with PG&E, that's a 48 hour two day that will have up to 96 hour or four days in the end. How do you define the market opportunity for the business? How fast is that growing? And how does the Inflation Reduction Act from August of 22 fit in with kind of what you're doing and uh, creating maybe another tailwind for you? From a, a market perspective, whatever you read, it's anywhere between 200 and 400 billion that's going to be spent at least through 2030. And, you know, if you look at this intensity over the next let's say five to 10 years, it's going to be large. <laughs> and you're looking at double digit kagers of growth over that period, just because of the pure need for, for storage in particular, given the transition to renewables. So that's what I see in terms of market sizing and, and growth. And then the Inflation Reduction Act is going to be an accelerator in particular in this near term that we're seeing. And that's something I think the U.S. has taken a global leadership role and getting something in place that is absolutely, Tom, having the intended effect. The effect is that is to get more investment. We're, we're seeing it, the, the benefits. In, and remember, we're a solution provider, so we don't necessarily own projects. That's not our, our main business model. We do, and we have a few that we are owning. But that act, both in terms of whether it's getting more domestic battery manufacturing here, that's for electric vehicles and for obviously for storage, and the incentives and the type of supply chain and independence that's going to provide to the U.S. or just the incentives on localized content for storage. And even these, you've heard the term energy communities. So any communities where they're lower income or in rural areas or things that essentially could benefit from more economic development. I mean, that that act alone hits a, on a lot of different phases that are we're definitely seeing the acceleration um, uh, in our businesses. How about gravity energy storage? So kind of getting into that concept, how did that concept like come about and what is it? If you look at energy storage today and what is the predominant technology, it's gravity and these large, they're called pumped hydro facilities. So uh, essentially store energy in the form of potential energy, which is water essentially. And think about it in a reservoir or a dam that at height has potential energy. And then when the energy is needed, it traverses down with gravity, turns a, a motor, and then generates the electricity. And then there's a turbine that pumps that water back up, hence the term pumped hydro. So that's that's the main form of energy storage today. And it has a lot of benefits. It's large. It's, it's always there. It doesn't degrade. The water will evaporate a bit. But it has a lot of downsides. I mean, most all of it's been built. They, it tends to destroy wildlife ecosystems where they build it. You're damming up things. It uses concrete, a lot of it, and that's not good. So there, essentially our concept was, as we looked in 2017, there was nothing in the market except lithium ion. We could have invested in some long-term battery ro chemistry roadmap. Compressed air, liquid air had very low efficiency. We're losing anywhere from 40 to 50% of power in the process of storage. 
So we looked at a way to solve the problem with gravity, just like pumped hydro, but instead of requiring mountains and a dam and water, we could just build a structure with a lifting system that would lift not concrete blocks, but composite blocks made of at a minimum soil and water and a special polymer that we worked with Semex on. But also we can use waste materials. So in a circular economic way where instead of, for example, coal ash or fibers from windblade fiberglass or even tailings from the mining process, instead of those getting transported, which is greenhouse gases up the atmosphere, and then buried or landfilled, we can reuse those in the, in the making of these composite blocks. So we came up with a system that would lift and lower these composite blocks in a structure fully automated with software and just a real very interesting integration of material science, of civil structural engineering, and of software and solving a problem that had never been solved before using gravity. So that our, our vision of that was around providing a solution for long duration. Very interestingly, Anel Green Power, their first application, how many hours of storage they want? Two hours. Two hours. So you think about it, my God, here's a long duration fundamental technology and Nell's using it for two hour application. And think about it, the more you cycle lithium ion, the faster they degrade, right? So if you're doing two hour, that means you're charging it up in two hours too, theoretically. So if you can do multiple cycles in a day, it has those benefits because it doesn't degrade. So that was the thought behind gravity and addressing long duration and potentially other applications. EnergyVault's sustainable energy storage alternatives have been gaining attention around the world. They have signed contracts and projects on the go, but who are EnergyVault's customers? Maybe I'll start with our investor bases because that's, I think, an interesting place to start that will you know, also coincident with customers. These were people along the way before we got to other customers. They invested in the company because strategically a lot of these large Groups like Saudi Aramco, the largest energy company in the world, BHP, the largest miner, Korea Zinc, which is the largest non-ferrous metals producer, they knew they were making a transition. They were looking at, in some cases, green hydrogen requiring long-duration storage to be able to, to make it with solar or with wind. And because of that, that led to their investments, and we're working with all of those folks on on project opportunities, and, and that was very helpful along the way. It's great that we have those types of investors and we created a strategic advisory board, Tom, to to actually leverage that expertise. And you think about it, it's around the world. Korea Zinc has all their operations in Australia, BHP, Saudi Aramco, the Middle East, et cetera. That's been very helpful. We've evolved. And then the customer things we've announced this year, right out of the bat, we started in China with Atlas Renewable with the first gravity energy storage system, which is going to be the first long duration system that's not pumped hydro that's of any scale that's going to be up and operating here this year. And that's with a local, also a local public company, China Tian Ying. It's a, it's a big environmental service player. So that we started out of the gate with this year and also then moved very quickly with NL Green Power and getting started and breaking ground last year with uh, NL in Texas uh, that we started in September. Interestingly, we announced in the mid part of the year, uh, in the summertime, a few deals that are on the shorter duration side, integrating either lithium iron or, or hy- hybrid systems. So Jupiter Power, which is the largest in ERCOT, which is the largest single market in the US. They're now owned by BlackRock. That's 220 megawatt hour, another 275 megawatt hour with Wellhead in California. Nevada Energy, so one of the largest Western utilities, they're owned by Berkshire Hathaway. 
we announced a 440 megawatt hour deal with them. And I'd say very interestingly, if you think about, we've had sort of long duration gravity, the shorter duration uh, integrations, and then culminating with just last month, announcing Pacific Gas and Electric, the largest California utility, with solving a use case for them that could only be solved by fossil fuel without us coming in and designing a backup system for ultra long duration to support a backup or any planned safety outages that they have to do. So it's great to sort of start the year with that because it, I think people understand what we're capable to do with some of the largest you know, players in, in the utility space. So um, feel very good about that evolution the last year. Yeah, and just reading about the project uh, with PG&E and just the, the nuts and bolts of like how it works, kind of just supporting the the grid in California, creating really a micro grid of support where it's not only incredibly environmentally friendly, I think the only emission is water vapor, correct? And, right. um, yep. you know, people are desperate for a solution out there. Again, it's just an example of, I mentioned this before when you asked about how we sort of evolved and started the company and coming up with the solution. It all starts with us listening to our customers. We're really, it's one of the core competencies, I think, of this company where we don't develop things just because we think they're cool and high tech and good and, and economical and then try to, you know, dump them in the market. We listen to our customers, which is why we even did a product cycle within four years. So we went from our EV1 tower for gravity to our EVX platform because the customers wanted something shorter and to decouple energy and power, meaning more flexible and modular. So we actually did a a redesign through the first four years. And then obviously with the software development we've done and the priority we put there, that led to solving this problem with PG&E that could only be solved with natural gas before until we proactively proposed that solution. What's the economic model of the business for people who don't know? We have a few different ones. So one of the things we started the year with is we do license our technology for gravity in particular and why because it's essentially you're building a, a building. So all the, the foundations, the, the structure, all of that is a local process uh, in a construction project. So the model for licensing is very interesting because it gives us the ability to allow customers to have an exclusive right. They prepay for that right. So it's great for investors because you get cash typically upfront. Like this past year, Tom, we got $50 million paid upfront by Atlas Renewable, basically 100% margin, right? to start. And what's interesting about that also for investors is that's just the beginning because then you get a royalty over time. And in, in the case of Atlas Renewable, it's 5% off the top of all future projects. And we don't have to go and build and set up shop and put infrastructure in, in a place like China, for example. And so that's, so one model is to license. And I think Gravity will have that as one of the core components. Another business model we have is where we will build commission and transfer a project. And that's that's pretty standard, right? A lot of developers will own projects and do that. And so we will be providing that to a utility or an independent power player like a Jupiter Power. So we'll have that model and there'll be a, a service stream that comes after that. So there's a, a long-term service agreement or what's called an LTSA and a follow-on software license. Another model is for us to own projects. So PG&E is one of them where we'll develop and own it and have a tolling agreement with PG&E. We're actually doing the same for Anel Green Power where we're building that first gravity system in Texas and have a, um, a long-term tolling agreement also with them. Now, we don't have to maintain that ownership over time. We could always flip those systems to a, 
you know, pension funds or, you know, any type of players that are infrastructure fund players that just want that sort of recurring revenue stream so we can pull that cash in. And then finally, the other, the, the, the fourth business model for us is around asset management services. This is where you're, you're monitoring the system, how it's performing, you have to maintain it. So this gets into what's going to be a part of not only our LTSA, our long-term service agreements, but more broadly around asset management where we're involved in managing these things on behalf of the infrastructure funds. With all the projects that you've announced, particularly as a public company, as you know, it's all about execution from here. Maybe you can talk about the senior team and the talent that you have around you to kind of make all this happen. Yeah, I I really couldn't be happier with that because it starts there. I mean, really, every day begins and ends with our people. It is our most important asset in the company. And, And really, just later in 2022, did we actually get the full leadership team in place. We had a, our formal CFO just started in October long-term. We had an interim before that. Our chief legal started in May, but we've got a, just an amazing combination of people functionally that are, I think, some of the best at what they do. They may not uh, have come from the energy domain, but functionally the best with a combination of some leading innovators with a tremendous track record not only in energy storage, but energy more broadly, but also I'd highlight if you look at the flags of where these people are from, we have an extremely diverse team globally. Three of my direct reports, three of the officers are actually in Europe, the UK, Germany, and also in Switzerland. And if you go around the the leadership team, I mean, we're incredibly internationally diverse outside of the US. And that energy is a global you know, business, it's the largest GDP in the world, I think eight, eight and a half trillion. It's the most critical aspect that powers everything we do. And so having a team that brings that diversity of experience, combination of domain with functional excellence, it's, it's just been a, a critical differentiator, I think, for us. When you sit here or in February of, of 2023, what excites you most about the business and the growth opportunities looking out five, five years or more? Yeah. Well, look, I think uh, I appreciate time you say five years because a lot of people say 10 or 15. It's like, look, some say I, 90 I, I days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to uh, welcome to the New York Stock Exchange. Um, so, uh, look, I'm I'm really most excited about the potential that we have as a company to help accelerate this transition. And in ways that I think when we sat here a year ago, Tom, I never thought we'd be having just announced a, an integrated hybrid lithium ion and green hydrogen project, right, for a for the largest California utility. So I, I think what's very exciting about that is the potential we have to drive the acceleration to help broadly, uh, sustainably the planet. But in particular, the how we're going to solve those problems is opening up new addressable markets for us. And I think uniquely with us, if you look at our investor base alone, just go around the world, BHP and Korea Zinc, massive operations in Australia. Obviously, Korea Zinc, being a Korean company, wants to be the largest net importer of green hydrogen into Korea, but also be a top five player. And they're um, looking at things all over the world. Obviously, Saudi Aramco and and that is an investor and and the potential that that brings us for as we look at development and needs in the Middle East. The relationship with NL Green Power is an example as a, a global IPP, 60 gigawatts, wind, solar, and hydroelectric. So it's a exciting that we have um, between the investor base and the global customer set, you know, getting started in China 
right away, which is 12,000 tons of GHGs every year. They're planning to increase through 2030. We can't let that happen. And the fact that we're there on the ground with a, a reference technology now by the government. So I'm just, I'm excited about the speed, the global impact I think we can have as a company and the fact that we're opening up new applications for our business. It sounds like customers are almost seeking you out saying, hey, how can we do this together? You may have a different economic model for each project, but everyone knows they need to do it. And that's a good place to be for you guys. Yeah, it is. And it's that's part of, I think, both flexibility, but having the diversity of, of thought of how we help them solve their problems. Energy Vault is at the forefront of the global clean energy transition. They're filling a huge gap in the market with sustainable storage, and they have a promising, flexible economic model and a big pipeline of global projects. At Welcome to the Arena, we're working really hard to bring you exciting guests and great content. If you found this episode insightful, subscribe to the show on your podcast app and leave us a five-star rating. The more the show grows, the more interesting voices we can have on the podcast. And in turn, that should demystify a lot of the stakeholders around public companies and soon-to-be public companies. Thanks for listening. I'd like to thank Robert Picconi for coming on the show today. He's an incredible leader with a fantastic senior team. I'm excited to see where Energy Vault will be in a few years as this huge demand for sustainable storage takes off. This is Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena. References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behavior. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only, and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.